After knowing myself, it's critical to know the world around me, my environment, and in knowing it to recognize its strengths and its limitations also. It is within that environment that we find our place, the place where we are needed, where we can touch others and be deeply moved ourselves. Are you sick of vague, contradictory, irrelevant or unachievable career or self-help advice? Do you have a lot of different passions but are unsure where to start or what the most meaningful next steps should be? Well, welcome to False Summits. I'm Daniel Mostovac, your host. Really happy to have you here. I'm a serial learning experimenter and question ferret. And on this show, I curate and reflect on stories and strategies that make a successful, self-directed and curiosity-driven career and life featuring some interviews from some Australians who've been there and done it and are still doing it, all to help inspire and educate you on your own personal journey. I want to save you time and energy to focus on what's most important for you, and I want to challenge your thinking, but I also want to learn from you as well. So thank you for tuning in and for joining the conversation. Let's get to it. You have a mission in life. Is that something that you've heard before? Maybe, maybe not. Perhaps we are told that we have a mission both in life or in our career that we want to make something of ourselves. And these are all noble pursuits and that's what I want to unpack today. Some people might think that it's a load of bollocks. Uh, Excuse that. Just I've been watching a lot of British TV recently. But this idea of a mission that grows out of our talents or out of the negative aspects of our character that we're overcoming, it's an inspiring idea and I want to delve into that today. To do that, I've written a little case study, a story about someone going through this process of discerning things about their career and life and what they want to do with themselves. The idea behind that being that you might notice some similarities or differences with your own life or perhaps in the lives of people that you know. From that, we're going to extract some of the ideas, criticisms, and also bring in some voicemails from some listeners and some reflections on this from those of us that have done some work facilitating youth development and exploring this idea of virtuous leadership as well. The virtues, those parts of our character that we can grow to be to be excellent that might come out of our natural temperament, uh, but also things that we have uh, grown to be by overcoming uh, detriments in our character. So, to the case study. Callum was close with his family growing up. He has fond memories of going down to the beach house each summer, exploring rock pools with his siblings and family friends. They had many little adventures like these, even in the parks near their house. Callum would often be the first one to do first and think later, like the time he and his brother and sister thought it would be a good idea to swing across a creek on a rope. Callum slipped off and fell in the bank. While the children would tend to make their own fun, the parents were still a constant presence in the background. When Callum was impatient for something like the next trip or adventure or getting better grades on a science test, his mum would say, good things come to those who wait, you have to have faith. Though not in that voice, she had a feminine voice. Anyway, although he never quite understood why his parents took this perspective, their words always had a calming effect on Callum. They became a sort of mantra. Of the different parties Callum attended during his later years of high school, there's one that sticks out to him. And not for any reason he would have deemed memorable at the time, like a friend's crazy dance or something like that. This particular 18th birthday party was hosted by a friend he hadn't known very well, so he'd gone along half-heartedly. Yet, as it may often be at that age, he might have gone seeing as all his friends were going, or for the possibility of meeting a nice girl. There was a conversation he'd had with the friend's dad, Ron, that stood out to Callum. 
He'd come in from the music-thumping garage looking for the bathroom. Ron gave him directions and began chatting with him in that casual but genuine way, natural to some adults. So, what do you want to do with yourself? he asked. The details of the conversation are lost on Callum, but he remembers that he had somehow wound up telling Ron that he wanted to be a pilot. Ron had asked why, and it prompted Callum to think a little bit more deeply. Because he was good at science in school? Not quite. Because he'd always loved planes as a child? Because he wanted to travel and see the world and have adventures? Maybe those were the reasons. Now, that's a wonderful thing, said Ron. Where would you go? What would you do? You might not realise it, but you can take a lot of good from something like that for your people back home. Sometimes it's not all about what's out there. Ron smiled and glanced outside at his son, whose birthday party it was. He remarked, "Uh, Best to do that while you're young, though. Before you know it, time flies, you're married, and your kids are turning 18. At first, Callum didn't reflect much on this conversation. When he did, his first thought might have been at how he was uncomfortable to be drawn into an adult conversation with someone unfamiliar that he wanted to just get back outside to that music. Yet a part of him was proud that someone had noticed him, that someone had believed in him, and all the more surprising that it was a stranger. He'd soaked in those first words about travel. Everything else would sort itself out. When he went to uni... A few years later, Callum struggled to keep up with the rest of his class, studying to be a pilot. He was enjoying life at uni, perhaps a bit too much, but he always reminded himself of his goal of being a pilot. In one particular class in his second year, a representative of a volunteer group that helped build schools in developing countries came to speak to them. She was promoting a program for young people to go to these countries for two to three week trips to help out in these communities. Callum found himself inspired as the speaker seemed genuine and worldly and empathic. Perhaps this was the reason he wanted to be a pilot, not because he wanted to visit many countries, but because he wanted to give something of value to those who needed it most, overseas. One of Callum's classmates leaned over to him. Oh, I did this last year. It was the actual best, she said. They have it so bad over there, but all the kids are so cute. She smiled, and then her eyes flicked back to her phone, scrolling Instagram. Callum thought for a minute of her profile picture kneeling amongst a crowd of children in a Kenyan village. His classmate's comment left him perplexed and remained like a thorn in his mind. Yet wouldn't it be amazing to do what the speaker had done? He supposed he could do it one day, but best to pass and finish the course first, though. In his final year of university, Callum met a girl named Anita. He'd met her through a friend of a friend, not at one of those parties where he always assumed he'd meet someone. At first, he didn't know how to take her. She was different to most people he'd met. For one thing, she didn't gravitate to her phone when there was a quiet moment or in a conversation. She spoke confidently about the future in a way that was rather ambitious, but also practical and humble. She was also in her final year, studying plant science. She wanted to help conserve endangered plants in coastal regions. And if that didn't work out at first, she could always try to find work at the Department of Agriculture or the zoo. She'd done internships and work experience for both. In the end, she said, if she really thought about it, it was just a job. She never thought she'd be studying plant science when she was a kid anyway. Callum was a little intimidated at first. She had many plans and a wide perspective. He also didn't know the first thing about plants, yet oddly enough he was drawn to her. Once Callum passed his course, he was still wrestling with what to do. He could pursue a job as a pilot, was that what he'd always wanted? He also wanted to pursue a relationship with Anita, but definitely no guarantees there. Perhaps it was time to take on a new adventure. He thought back to his parents' words and decided that it was time to know who he was meant to be. Alright, let's go. Here are some of my initial thoughts on this. You might think differently. Callum is, I think, trying to balance between putting things off and taking action at the same time. There's a balancing act that a lot of us go through. And I think there's some kind of comfort in 
patience, you know, as you can let things go, you don't have to do everything at once. But it needs to be coupled with that audacity to take action on some things and then being okay with ultimately after having put in everything you can, letting go of the consequences. Callum seems rather sanguine, so, or sanguine, don't actually know how to pronounce that. I think sanguine. Anyway, we'll go with that. And I mean that in the sense that he is excited by interacting with people and by ideas, but he might not necessarily follow through on things. He also seems a little bit melancholic, so he has maybe grown into this, grown into be a little bit more reflective thinking about things, but again, not quite taking action. So he dreams a bit big, but gets caught up in other people's ideas. It's interesting to think how one's childhood actually could impact on this too. So it thinks I think that he could be swinging between two extremes here. You know, when he was younger, he might have been a little bit more think first, act later type of person, easily inspired to do things, which in a negative way could be uh, prone to impatience. This can sometimes be a good quality because it means that you don't um, sort of languish in, in in action by not doing any things. But on the other hand, you know, while his parents' words provide a counterpart counterpoint to this, good things come to those who wait. Essentially, you, know, you need to have patience. I think he could then take that too much the other way, take that too seriously. For example, when he reflects on that conversation with Ron and he says that the rest will sort itself out, he takes on board almost what he wants to hear, which is validation about his career path, about being a pilot, but he doesn't go as deep as he could on thinking why, why does he really want to do that? Now, that's not to say that just looking within introspection is going to reveal everything that you need to know about yourself, because I think we absolutely need to try new things and find out what our talents are, and only then can we be of service to others. So that's why it's good. I think that he's inspired, and I want him to take a little bit more action, though. There's uh, possibly a danger in putting everything off until some kind of particular milestone is done, you know, for example, finishing his pilot's course. All right, those are my initial thoughts. Let's bring in some voicemails to go a little bit deeper. We have some contrasting opinions here. First up, we have Emma, who is studying the Virtuous Leadership course. Hey, Daniel. Thank you for reaching out, and I'm so excited to be part of this episode. So I've decided to explore the relationship between career and a personal mission. In today's society, I feel like we have confused what it means to find a career and finding out who we are as a person. As we grow up and we hit the age of 18, this is the beginning of self-discovery and self-knowledge. These days, students are trying to find their purpose through their career and forgetting to set the path of discovering themselves and developing who they want to be. And I guess we can call this process a personal mission. Looking at Cullen's journey, it mentions that he would be the one to do first and think later. So he was the type of child that would make quick decisions without really contemplating anything. So we could say that he was more open to taking risks and worrying about the consequences later. Then as he gets older, you can see the contrast in his decision-making process. It's definitely slowed down. He's less open to risks and he seems to take his time in thinking and contemplating his ideas. And this just shows the natural process of finding your purpose in life. The story ends with Callum thinking back to his parents' words and deciding that it was time to know who he was meant to be. I can see that this is the beginning of discovering his true personal mission. My advice to Callum is to continue with this process, gain as much self-knowledge in his life so far as this is a technique he will use for the rest of his life. So for the time being, finding himself will become the foundation of his decision criteria. 
From this, his career and decisions will become crystal clear. I definitely loved how his parents' words of good things come to those who wait stayed with him for so long. I believe that this is, an, this is an affirmation that our youth should live by. It's impossible to know everything at the age of 18, so it's important to just embrace all of life's experiences, be patient, don't rush anything, as there is so much more to come. So all this information that I've presented um, stems from a course that I'm currently studying called Virtuous Leadership. It unravels the process of finding your true mission. And for those who are listening and who want to know more, please feel free to reach out. Thank you. All right. Thanks for dialing in, Emma. Um, I think there's a few interesting points here that you make. Let's go, first of all, this idea of the mission as who we are as a person. You mentioned that perhaps the age of 18, the beginning of the self-discovery and the self-knowledge. It's interesting because I wonder about when this beginning could be. I think definitely there are those junctures in our life when we start to reflect a little bit more on that. And it seems like Callum is definitely getting to a point like that. I think it's an important point that you raise about the distraction uh, of focusing perhaps only on the career as a form of of purpose in one's life uh, to the detriment of deeper things about your emotions or about who you want to be or who you want to be for other people that you might care about in life. And of course, that's not to say that people can't have fantastic careers where they really do become of service and do lead by example and lead virtuously too. I think it's definitely important, like you say, to discover yourself or discover perhaps what your core values, interests and skills are uh, as they stand. And indeed, some of that may not deviate throughout your life, you know, and that will be a real guiding principle that will then that will then impact the way that you make decisions about your career, the way you interact with family, other people and so on. And we talk about discovering ourselves, and I did just mention core interests, skills and such, but I think it's important to know too what your personality might be like or what your natural temperament might be like, because let's say you're, in the case of Callum, it seems like he's kind of impatient, but at the same time, that could be channeled in a great way. He could be you know, a go-getter, for example, and he could nurture that as a talent and be aware of that. And I always love unpacking this idea of the discover oneself, of course, uh, I don't think anyone would agree, well, maybe some people, but that it's just a simple matter of going to India and then you discover yourself and everything's all good and you absolutely know everything for the rest of your life. Of course, we are continually learning and no disrespect to India. I think there's much that can be learned there as well. Just having a go there. All good. Thank you for tuning into this episode. Let's take a minute and... Appreciate where you are. If you're at the gym, you're pumping iron, you're going for a walk. Hopefully it's sunny. Hopefully it's not windy, but I wish that for you. And also one other thing too, if you're enjoying what you're getting here uh, or you want to contribute to the direction of the program as it currently is, I really encourage you to check out the website, which is in the description and also the Facebook page. Go like that because then you can stay up to date and get some quotes, inspiration, other tips and tricks and ideas as well. If the podcast takes a bit of a hiatus, then you'll be in the know as to when things come back in an evolved form. And now back to the show. Next up, we have Giselle, who has been a faith group leader in Catholic circles, but also a coordinator of the personal project self-development course. I feel that to have a mission is ultimately to find a gap, a problem, um, and to spend your life filling that gap and giving it life. To do this, we need to recognize that we have talents and skills and limitations. And in knowing these and growing these, 
um, so that we can give something that no one else can give to the world. After knowing myself, it's critical to know the world around me, my environment, and in knowing it to recognize its strengths and its limitations also. It is within that environment that we find our place, the place where we are needed, where we can touch others and be deeply moved ourselves. That idea is both frightening and liberating because we can accept that challenge or we can leave it, leave our potential unused. For me, there is a sadness in a life lived without seeking out and preparing for a mission because it ultimately is a life that has been kept for oneself rather than lived for others. That living for others may not end up being remarkable or have the sound of music or the look of diamonds. It can be lived in the simple things, but ultimately it must be lived if we are to find our potential and to use it well. So having a mission is something that everyone should really take the time to stop, to reflect on um, and to think about because ultimately it brings us a lot of happiness, a lot of joy um, and a real sense of accomplishment. I love what you're saying here, Giselle, about the simple things. And I think that's important because the word mission sometimes has this grandiose connotation and it seems unachievable. The gap that we're continually filling, I think that's an interesting observation as well, because the first thing that jumps to mind is that it's never possible to fill it. It's like a bucket with a a hole at the bottom, but that's life, that's humanity. We're limited as well. And there's a kind of joy in that, I think. And if a mission is really worthwhile, I think it will inspire others and, and great leaders always inspire others to serve as well. And so they could continue that same mission. I think we could even in a way share that mission with others. And Alex Havard, the founder of the Virtuous Leadership Institute, builds on this idea too, actually, this idea of our uniqueness and what we can offer to the world stems in a way from our social and historical context into which we're born. So we have a particular country, a particular society, and we also have our own natural gifts and things that have been passed down to us through nurturing and through the skills and and guiding principles and values of our families and so on too. Food for thought, can we have more than one gap in life? This is something that I've thought about recently after reading a book called Range by David Epstein, which is about generalists and people that have multiple different interests and that they are almost, they could go deep in one area, but they can uncover new insights by by combining things. And I think in the process of discovering one's mission, that is a natural process too, that idea of experimentation. Yeah, an, inter- an interesting word that was uh, that came up there was the idea of an avocation or an avocation as opposed to a vocation. A vocation being something that, a way that we're called to be and a mission being something that we're specifically going to do to enact that. But having different vocations on the side that perhaps could link across, something to think about. Let's unpack the terms here. You go away and do that, listeners. I've touched on this before too, but I think it's a good place to bring this up which is cal newport's work on mission to that idea of a unifying focus for one's career and it being more general than a specific job can span multiple uh, positions and it provides an answer to the question what should i do with my life and of course uh, some of us are really in a position to be able to do that whereas i think in other places in the world or other parts of society that's not really the case and so it's important to then have that humility and to always be of service but Missions are powerful because they focus our energies towards a useful goal and maximizes our impact on the world. Uh, That's Newport there. Useful, but I do wonder, is it possible for someone to have a mission in their careers or otherwise without 
being on the cutting edge, so without having built up lots of skills in a career that to, to the point that they're now having these new insights into the, you know, the, the cutting edge of their field. What if someone's mission is to simply pr- provide the most honest, helpful medical care as a general practitioner? Or what if it's something to do with helping out in one's community or one's family? I think there's something beautiful and attractive about the idea of a more humble career. But again, I'm always against this idea of either or thinking. I think uh, these things are integrated. And through that process of experimentation, and we can decide and find out a little bit more about what those problems are in our society that we can upskill in order to address. That's not to say we're going to solve all the world's problems, and uh, we have to obviously think critically and deeply about what's there and how we can uniquely fit into that. But that process of trialing, trialing the field and, and seeing what's there, that's a process in which we learn about ourselves as well. And that then when we do take the moment to pause and have that introspection, we then reflect on times when we did have more action, uh, experiment with new things and new ways of being. And then we, we deepen a little bit more, I suppose, what our character and what our mission is. And we also have Kristen here, a listener, dialing in. Thank you. So there are a couple of things that struck me in this case study. And I'm going to just um, touch on a, on a few of them um, to really build my my articulation of what it really means to have um, a personal mission. Uh, So a couple of things that struck me were the fact that Callum is the kind of person who would do first and think later. And taking that and coupling it with the comment from uh, Ron, the father of the boy at the party, who said, best to do that while you're young before you know it time flies you're married and your kids are turning 18 and both of these things both of these comments here um really strike me because it seems to resonate with um what i observe of our world around us where we're living in a world um and i'm certainly culpable of this as well where we're often in this frenzy of activity where we've got work to do um we've got events that we're invited to, people to catch up with, um, stuff to do. And then after all that, we're pretty tired, so we rest. And then we repeat. And we don't often get the chance to take stock, um, lay down on the grass, look up at the sky and think, what does it all mean and why am I doing it? And, you know, for me as uh, someone who's 25 years old, I'm at a point in my life where, yes, yeah, certainly it's it's a new chapter. Um, my parents are getting older. My brother's moved out of home. And, you know, it really strikes me that, you know, life continues on and it can easily pass you by. And it struck me recently that I don't want life to pass me by um, without me knowing why it is that I'm here and what I'm meant to do. And I think this is really where the idea of a personal mission comes in. I'm a firm uh, believer that every single one of us here is not here by accident, that every single one of us is unique and has something that we uniquely can contribute to the world. And so I think that this is where the idea of a personal mission comes in. So it's interesting that in the case study, Ron asks um, Callum 
why? Why does he want to be a pilot? And I think really this is the the key. This is a secret ingredient. We need to be constantly asking ourselves why. Why am I doing this? We need to find that time of silence just to stop and think. Um, and I think that when we do that, we'll find our mission because we'll be reevaluating why we're doing what we do. Kristen, I love what you've mentioned here about the frenzy of activity and that we always have this list of things to do and events that we're invited to go to perhaps, um, but that we need to stop, we need to rest and not just throw ourselves headlong into that type of thing. Perhaps that's a little bit what Callum is like in our case study at the start. And then to build off, I suppose, where I was going then just as well, it's that idea of that moment to stop and take stock, like you mentioned, and to reflect on why, what does it all mean? I wonder why we become absorbed in these other types of activities as well. You know, that cult of busyness, for example, is there some kind of satisfaction with that? Is there some kind of meaning that we draw out of that? Is it because sometimes we feel like we have a sense of obligation to others and so we, in pursuing wanting to serve others, then might agree and say yes to many things, which ultimately may burn ourselves out and not actually make us the most useful and the most uh, uh, humble servants and leaders that we could be, which I suppose circles back to those two ideas of contemplation in order to then, secondly, have the priorities right in our lives. And I think that's a continual process. Sometimes the temptation might be, if I just get the priorities right, then I will know forever. And that might be quite strong, but of course there's always you know, room for like to tweak things on, I guess, the more superficial level. Some people might say, what if it's all just random that I'm here, I'm thrown into existence and I don't actually have any particular mission uh, or I'm not actually born to do a certain thing? I think that's something interesting to unpack, but perhaps this isn't the time to, to go deep into that. But for anyone listening, I do challenge you to think about that. Some points to consider might be that it's not that we may all be born with a particular grand mission to do. I don't want to be self-aggrandizing with any of this as well. But if we craft some kind of purpose for ourselves, or derive purpose from guidance from other sources and then go and test that out through experimentation, through action, through service, I think that there will be some narrative of oneself and some sense of purpose no matter where you might come from on some of these questions. So... That, yeah, that idea of, of action and testing and, and reflection, I think, are key skills across, across all domains of life. I think that's a good place to wrap up this episode eight of the show. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening here. Uh, so there you go, episode eight, all done and dusted. Um, much like the dust that's been here around me while I've been recording, I've been coughing all over the place, but that hasn't showed up in your nice edited version. I wish you a great week and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you again. Take care. If you'd like to learn a little bit more about the project and what it's about, you can head over to the website at falsummits.org. There is an archive of a few different episodes there as well and some other resources, so be sure to check that out. If something spoke to you in that episode, consider sharing it or leaving a review on iTunes. The link is in the description. And of course, a big thank you to you, the listener, for tuning in for this episode and being part of the conversation which is fantastic. I really wish you all the best for reflecting on your own journey and decision-making. False Summits partly owes its existence to Claire Fogarty and Michael Zampogna, two stalwart creatives and longtime friends. A huge thank you to Claire for her music production and to Michael for the uplifting design that you see before you on your screen. 
All right, everyone, that's it from me for today for this episode. I'll see you next time. Take care.